and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hi everyone and welcome back. Today I am so excited to have my dear friend Taylor Fagans on the podcast. Taylor and I met in college about, what, like eight years ago? And he has always been someone who's inspired me. His presence, when he walks into a room, just lights it up. He is just one of those people where you're magnetized to him because he's so warm and inviting and fun and loving. And you'll totally get to hear that in this interview. And I was actually thinking about all the projects that Taylor and I collaborated on throughout college. Uh, We did a scene from Oklahoma together. I was Lori and he was Curly. And then we also sang a duet um, our senior year of college. And I actually am going to link the video to that in the show notes because I think it's so sweet to see Baby Leia and Baby Taylor singing together. And ever since we graduated, I've just been watching his journey from afar and been so proud of everything that he's doing. So Taylor is a writer and a storyteller. Through music, scripts, books, or speeches, he tells the story of the human experience from every lens possible. His most recent works include Living, a Now Musical, which he wrote the book, music, and lyrics for because he does it all, and his first play, A Song. He is currently working on three other works, and his greatest goal is to tell the stories that are unheard and give a voice to those who are unseen. And as you'll see in this conversation, he does exactly that. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy this conversation with Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So the first question that I want to ask you is what is currently fueling your creative soul? What's currently fueling my creative soul? I love that question. And it's a question I don't think I think about. (laughs) I guess I'll say currently what's fueling my creative soul, I think, is the social climate. Yeah, all of the protests that I'm seeing and all of the things happening in the streets and the way the government, I think, is reacting to things has really been fueling how I feel and how I create. I guess on a more basic level, my feelings really (laughs) regulate what I create and what I do. But yeah, lately I feel like I've been emotionally more passionate about just the experience of human beings in this country based on the color of their skin. And And at first it was just black people. But at first it was just me as a black person, like, oh my goodness, I have to create art to express how I feel as a black person. But then I started to wonder like, what about other people? Like what, what is really going through other people's minds and how they're being treated based on the way they look? So yeah, I've really been creating based off of stuff like that. I actually started writing a new play. Yeah, and I haven't named it yet, but I started writing a new play about a white family who has a conversation with each other about racism because one of the one of the kids in the family he's like our age he's like in his 20s and the dad is a police officer and he gets accused of shooting an unarmed unarmed black man and so as a family they're at home awaiting the verdict from the jury And so as a family, they start to talk to each other and be like, did you mean to shoot him? Like, and the dad's like, no, I didn't. And they start accusing each other of things. And it's this whole conversation, right? So yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. And I'm starting, I'm starting to really delve into like, what do other people feel other than just black people? Like how do other people of other cultures feel about their place in America and, you know, racism and what they're going through? Yeah. So that's what's been fueling me lately. 
That is so cool to hear because it sounds like you're taking inspiration for what's happening in the world and reflecting that back on your life and creating art from that place, but then taking it a step further and using art as like that vehicle for empathetic change and thinking, okay, well, this is how I see the world. How can I put myself in the shoes of another person and see how they would see the world? Exactly. That's so cool. Will you talk a little bit about one, all the different things that you do as a creative person and then two, what your creative process looks like. I mean, it sounds like you already have your play mapped out. Take us from like the idea to the planning and and the execution of the creative project. Yeah, of course. So yeah, all the different things I do, I write music, I write songs and like the music and the lyrics, I write both when I write songs. So I'm a songwriter. I'm also a playwright. I write plays. I write musicals as well. That's how kind of my writing started was with writing musicals and so I've been doing that for a minute and then I just started getting into writing a tv show um idea which is really really fun to research like how people write tv shows and it's very difficult I've never done it before and it's really hard but it's really cool so I'm doing that and then yeah, I think those are, that's like basically everything I write. And then, yeah, as far as the process goes, it definitely varies. Mm. It definitely, definitely varies. I will say for songs, when I'm writing a song, there's usually an idea that comes first, I think. Mm. Yes, yes. Usually there's an idea. Lately, I've been reading a lot of books. There's a book called Writing Better Lyrics. I forgot the name of the guy. I think his name is Pat Pattison. It's like a really weird like superhero name. But he he wrote this book called Writing Better Lyrics. And that's a really really cool book and how it just kind of discusses not just writing song lyrics, but creative writing in general, and how you can take an idea and just kind of let it explode into all these other possibilities Mm -hmm. and really dive into it and see what it can become. So I think lately that's become my writing process more often than usual. I used to just write melodies on a piano and like play the piano and then just put words on top of it. (laughs) But I haven't done that in a minute. I haven't done that in a long time. But yeah, lately my process is really, I'll just have an idea and I'll lay down or I'll sit in my chair or I'll lay down on my bed or lay down on the couch and I will turn on my voice memo on my phone Mm. and then I'll just start singing like phrases. The moment in the flow. Yeah, exactly. I never really write anything down first. Mm. Usually I'm just turning on my voice memo and I just go and I kind of write the song in the moment. And I start singing the song in the moment. And in my head, I have what the instruments are doing. But I'm just trying to write what someone would say in a song. Like, I think I try to take an idea and kind of, like I said, just kind of explore what else can be said about that idea. And so that kind of happened with the song We Need More that Mm -hmm. I wrote. It was an idea where I, I, I was sitting in my bed and I was like, I have to say something about all these Black people being killed. And like, I don't know what to say. And and the idea came up in my head, like, little boys don't do that. And I was like, that's it. Like, the idea of little Black children being afraid to do normal, everyday things because they see Black people get killed for doing normal, everyday things. And so I kind of just let that turn. I literally put my voice memo on, sat on my bed, and I was like, little Black boys don't run outside. They play with wa- or play with water guns at night. Like that, I just started kind of like, what would a little black boy be afraid to do? Because he's seen black boys and black men get arrested or killed for that activity on accident or like without knowing, without people knowing they weren't doing anything bad. And I kind of just let that turn into a song. And so, yeah, lately that's how I write ideas or write songs, songs out of just basic ideas. And I just sing them. And then once I sing them and I have a good idea of what the song sounds like in my head, 
I will like re-listen to it and then go on like Word and like type out the lyrics and then I'll like play it on the piano and then I'll record myself doing the whole thing and then I'll be like, okay, good, that's it. Because <laughs> I won't remember it after that. <laughs> like I won't remember it at all. So if I get it together, if I get it all together at the end and record myself, then I'll have it and then I can like put it away. And so that's just music. Those are just songs. But as far as plays go, those start with ideas too, but it kind of takes me a minute to get through a play. And that's only because my mind goes to music so fast. And so sometimes I accidentally write musical because I don't mean to, but I'll be like, ooh, there would be a good song here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a play. This isn't a musical. It's a play. Yeah. So that happens a lot. But when it comes to plays, I'll have an idea. And either I finish it right then and there, like I will sit down and every day I'll work on it. Or if I put too much time between when I first wrote the idea down and like actually doing it, then it won't ever get finished. So I have a lot of unfinished projects in like a folder somewhere on my computer. (laughs) That's like my big, that's the big key to my process for writing like stories. I have to sit down, I have to write the first idea. And there's a quote from some writer who wrote, I think, Black Mirror on Netflix, where he says, you always have to write to an end. Always write to an end. Never write and then stop in like the middle of a scene or in the middle of a situation or a conversation. Get to an end because then it helps you pick back up when you come back to it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so that's helped me a lot. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned We Need More because I would love to get in to talking about that, because first of all, the song is gorgeous. I mean, what a beautiful example of, of like, you know, using your pain as healing and mm-hmm. being able to share that with other people and have, have that affect people on an emotional level. Just a beautiful, beautiful tribute. Will you talk a little bit about the response that you got from the song, you know, kind of what you were expecting as the response and then what the response was and how that um, affected you? Yeah, of course. So yeah, when I when I release a song, I will be honest, I didn't expect anything to come out of it. Like I've I've sung covers of stuff on YouTube and put them up and people are like, "Oh, that's nice." Or my mom will call me and be like, "I saw your cover. That was so cute." And I'm like, "Thanks." Like that's usually my expectation. But yeah, when I wrote this song, I honestly thought it was going to be as popular as any Facebook post I usually put up where I have like maybe like 30, 40 people say like, oh, that or like like it. And then a couple of people say, that's really cool. Or I like your post. And that's it. But when I wrote that song, what I ended up getting was, and that's just from the first video of me just playing on the piano was all these people, like thousands of people who were like, this song is so good. This song is so good, Taylor. Like this, this is exactly what I needed to hear. This expresses it the way I've been feeling. And like, you put my feeling into words is one thing that my girlfriend told me. She's like, you just put my feeling into words. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, seeing so many people share it and comment and message me and be like, thank you for this song. That was completely unexpected. Like even I got the response, which is the reason there's a music video for it. Because I got the response from my friend who I was rooming with at the time. He came to me and he makes videos. He's like a professional, like, cinematographer and he came up to me and he was like hey I just came back um, from running an errand and I saw your song on the way home I was like oh did you like it he said I want to make a music video and I was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. what <laughs> people pay this man so much money to make videos and he wanted to do it for me for free mm-hmm. and I was like sure like I don't really know what to say to that and he said okay cool like I want to make a music video let's do it And so that was a response I really didn't expect. And then the music video made even more people respond. Like, it was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, And then I think the the last, like, really unexpected response I got was, which I, I will say I did kind of expect this, but I got a lot of people around June 25th, which I think was almost a month after I had posted the music video, I got a lot of people who started like commenting really negative stuff and like disagreeing with the video completely, even to the point where some guy literally took my video and, you know, just stole it basically and commented and 
sang over it, sang over my video and shot down everything I said and made fun of me and made fun of what I was saying and made fun of the black community with my song. So that was one thing I, I told myself from the beginning, if this song gets like, keeps going at the rate it is, people are going to see it that I don't agree with. And I'm okay with that because I think it needs to reach. If this is a song people relate to, it needs to reach every heart. I feel like that's the point. I'm putting out this song, not just to comfort people, not just to let them know that they, that I see them, you know, I see the pain they're going through and I understand, but also to tell the people who don't understand, like, this is what we're going through. This is why this is important. This is why we need more, you know? And so I expected people to disagree with me. I think at the level they disagreed with me, at the level they were making fun of me and making fun of the video and really bashing things I was saying, I did not expect that. And that was kind of, that was really hard for me. It was really, really hard. Yeah, how did that make you feel? And like, what did that bring up for you? It, it made me feel really sad at first because I remember calling my girlfriend and saying, you know, I read some of the comments and some of them, hurt me a lot because I never experienced that much hate that much hate in my direction and yeah and so for a while I was very sad I was very very sad and I was very hurt and I felt like I couldn't keep writing or I didn't want to keep writing because I looked at this this man who took my video I looked at the amount of followers he had on YouTube he had a hundred over a hundred thousand followers and I had a hundred so I was like yo, this man has so much more influence in the world than I do. And like, how am I going to fight people like this? How am I going to like stand up against people like this? So at first I was really sad. But then when I reached out to like YouTube marketing and I reached out to some lawyers because he took my song. So like there was like legal stuff I had to deal with. Um, They got it down immediately. Like YouTube responded to me through email and was like, this goes against hate speech. We're totally sorry. They took down his whole channel. Like they were like, no, he's no. And I was like, whoa. I was like, okay, thank you. Um, and that's but it was, the influence that you have. Yeah. Like that, that's what was eye opening to me. It was like, wait, 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 wait. People who have, yeah, there, yes, there's people out there who are fighting against you just as hard as you're fighting for humanity. That's the truth. There will always be people who like match you on the same level who are against you, who will be like, no, I'm going to fight you just as hard as you're trying to fight me. But then there are people with even more influence who are still on your side. Yeah. And that's, and like you said, like that's the influence. I didn't know that like somebody was fighting for me in my corner, you know, that was like, in YouTube that was like, no, we got you. Like, trust me. That was amazing to me. And so that changed my mind and made me go, wait, wait, wait. First of all, these people don't know me. They're sitting behind the screen saying all these things. They don't know who I am. They've never met me. It's not that big of a deal, right? And then the second thing it made me realize is, this is why I have to keep making art. I scrolled through those negative comments and I kid you not, at least three or four people were like, you know, I really disagree with his song, but I really like the way he sings and I really like his voice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that means you listen to the song, you know, (laughs) you know, like, I know you listen to the song. You probably listened to the whole song. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you definitely heard the whole song. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's, that's it. That's why I have to keep writing because Somebody's going to disagree with me. Somebody's even probably going to hate me and they don't know me, but they will hear what I have to say. And maybe somewhere in their heart, they might open up a little bit and they might think and go, you know, maybe like, maybe, yeah, his voice is pretty good. Maybe I could listen to his song again. And then maybe they'll be like, uh, I disagree with this thing, but I did agree with this one part of the song he said. And then, you know, the gears are turning and their heart is opening. And they're starting to reconsider things, you know? So yeah, that, that is kind of what it started to bring up for me. It started to bring up this kind of determination that I have to keep writing because it heals people. Mm-hmm. And I have to keep writing because it opens hearts. 
and it allows people to see my perspective, you know, and the perspective of so many people in America. And that the thing that I'm really fighting for, like, yes, I'm fighting for black people, black people's voices to be heard. But the reason we're fighting for voices to be heard is because there's a basic humanity. There's a basic love that comes from being a fellow human being, you know? And I feel like the people who hate black people forget that we're just human, you know? They forget that we love the way you love. We hurt the way you hurt, you know? And if you see that through a song that I create, right? Where I say, look, there are all these kids who are just like your kids that are going to be ju- that are going to be so scared to walk outside. Would you want that for your kid? Probably not, you know? And then that'll change a parent's heart who probably disagreed with me at first but goes, "Oh, you're right. I didn't think about that." You know, maybe there's something else here. Maybe there's something different you guys are fighting for that I thought was just, you know, a lot of people think black people are fighting for selfish reasons or something. And it's like, "No, Humanity. That's literally, we're just fighting for humanity. Yeah. We're fighting for consideration. Yeah. So that's what it brought up for me. Wow. Thank you for sharing that and for being brave and sharing your story. And also just, I mean, what a beautiful shift in perspective that gave you. So even though it was a hard and terrible experience, it sounds like in the end, it was ultimately a gift. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It really was. What kind of things stop you from creating? Like, are there any specific creative blocks? Maybe, you know, worrying what people will think about you or worrying how people will receive your message or, you know, maybe other more practical things like procrastination or stuff. What are things that you, you deal with and, and how do you, you know, move through those blocks? I think one of my biggest blocks is the constant flow of ideas. Yeah, I think a lot of people think like, no, no, it's a good thing. You know, you always have a new idea. And I'm like, yes. However, when I have a new idea, that becomes more important than the thing I'm currently working on. Yes, I'm the same way. It's really Mm -hmm. hard. Yes, it is. And then you go, wait, but like this new idea is so good. And I really want to start on it. I'm afraid I won't have time if I just keep working on the thing I'm working on. So maybe I'll split my time. And then eventually you just leave them both behind and do a new thing. Yes. Then you have all these unfinished projects, you know? Yes. Um, so that's my biggest, my biggest, biggest block as a writer is that I keep coming up with new ideas and then I don't do most of them. And I just have a, and I'll write them down or I'll start a scene or I'll write a piece of a song and it's just there forever. And it never goes anywhere or it eventually goes somewhere. But, but I guess that's how I move past it actually. Speaking of like how to move past the blocks, when it comes to having too many ideas or, you know, not focusing on one thing at a time, I think I'm trying, this is a new thing I'm doing. I'm trying to put the, write as much of the idea as I think will make me remember it. Mm. And then I put it away into a file on my computer or on a voice memo or excuse me, I have like multiple notepads around my house or around my apartment like little journals or little notepads and sometimes note cards that just have stuff on them. And I just write the idea down and I'm like, okay, if that's enough to remember it, I can put it away right now. And if it's important and if it's good and if it's still relevant, when I'm finished with the thing I'm working on, I can come back and start that one. And if it's not relevant, then it's okay. I got to leave it. I got to just, I just got to leave it. (laughs) I got to leave it alone. Yeah, not getting mad at yourself for not following it, but like if you don't feel the relevancy of it, or I like to think of it as like the like that knowing in your body. Mm-hmm. If that's not like there, then sure, it wasn't for you. It wasn't for you. It, was, it came exactly. to you, but it wasn't for you to follow at that moment. Yeah, you totally get it exactly. And the cool thing about that, I think, is that the when you do that, you end up having this catalog of ideas mm. that you can always pull from. And that has helped me so much in the past when I did that on accident. Because like I said, this is a new thing I'm doing intentionally. In the past, I would do it on accident. Um, But I would like record a piece of a song or write down like a chorus or something. Mm -hmm. And then the musical that I recently had finished, Living, a now musical, that musical has songs in there that I never wrote intentionally for that musical. 
Wow. But the reason they're in there is because I was writing the musical and I went, oh, I need a song for this character. And then I went, wait a minute. What about that one song I was singing when I was sad that one day that I never actually wrote all the way through? And I went into a note on my phone and I had a chorus of a song, a chorus. Uh. And I went, oh, this is exactly what this character would be saying right now. And then I turned it into, like I developed it into this whole song for this musical. And it's been through, it's been with the musical ever since. Like I've picked away songs, but that song has stayed the whole time. So yeah, that's such a cool example of like gathering the bits and pieces and always mm-hmm. writing down those bits and pieces because you never know when you're going to come back to them later or when they'll be useful. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's super helpful. Where are you? You're living in New York right now? Yeah, I'm living in New York. Will you talk about your experience living in New York City as an artist? And I know you also went to Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Will you just talk about, you know, kind of the juxtaposition between the two and what your experience has been like living in New York City? Yeah, of course. Living in New York City has been really interesting because when I first moved here in 2018, um, getting used to life here versus growing up in California was really different. Um, In California, I feel like I always had more time to like sit and write and do things and watch TV. And then I moved to New York and I was like, oh my goodness, like I need like three jobs just to make sure I have enough rent. And then, you know, weaving that into like, okay, like I really want to find a church that I want to go to and be a part of and trying to find that. And there's so many churches in New York and then trying to find, you know, and then trying to navigate transportation and how long transportation legs takes to get everywhere. So then I have to factor that in versus in, you know, California, it's like you kind of start to center things around where you live so that you don't take as many freeways. But in New York, the subway will tell you how long, like the subway will tell you when you're going to get there. You don't really get to choose. Um, You can guess, but you don't get to choose. Um, So I find that my days get filled with transportation and church and work until by the time I get home, I'm going to sleep. Like I'm not really doing anything. And then I have to find time to work out and I have to find time to buy food and I have to do chores and read a book maybe (laughs) like, you know, and like watch one TV show. And so when I first moved here in 2018, I really got inundated with life period and just the basic essentials. And I think when I moved to Oregon, when you go to the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, they provide you with an apartment I think for at least your first two or three years of being an actor there, Mm -hmm. they provide you with an apartment. So you don't have to worry about rent. You don't have to worry about utilities or any bills basically. And then the, yeah, there's, you go grocery shopping and you go to rehearsals and shows, but past that you have so much free time. Like your job is rehearsals and shows and those rehearsals and shows are not every day Mm. so you have so much time to like do whatever you want that i found myself writing every chance i got like and then sometimes i wouldn't write because i was like i can write tomorrow (laughs) i have so much time i can go into a rehearsal studio and just play the piano for three hours straight just cause I want to. Or I can talk to my mom on the phone, like in some cafe for like an hour and then just read a book at the cafe until the sunset and then go home. Like, and then I have a show tomorrow, but the show is once. It's literally happens that afternoon. And then I have the whole night to myself to hang out with friends or do whatever I want and then write. So Oregon is a very big change of pace because there's so much space and there's so much time and you are really dropped into nature. Mm-hmm. Like it's, ooh, you're dro- nature is in your backyard. Deer walk around like they're your neighbors. It is crazy. Oh and sometimes goodness. they get a little furious. Like sometimes you have to be careful. <laughs> be careful of the deer. Yeah. yeah, but they don't care. Like they, I had a studio that was behind a house 
so the, their backyard was like my front yard and the deer I would just go outside in the middle of the afternoon and baby deer are asleep like by a bush there's just a bunch of them and then the mom is like eating grass like over there and she'll like look at me and be like what are you gonna do and I'm like no I'm just going to work I'm just I'm just going to, I'm going to the show uh, don't worry and I'll talk to him I'll be like we're good. Nice to see you. Sometimes I'd give them names and be like, hello, Sarah. Good morning. I see your kids are asleep. I'm going to go to work. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. But like nature, it just shows you like nature was literally in your backyard, backyard, like right in front of your door. Did you find the nature inspiring? Like, did that inspire you creatively or was it just part of your environment? I think it was inspiring because it kind of felt like this. It almost felt like a retreat mm. in a sense like a retreat from life from uh, life in the city. So I felt almost like this breath of fresh air to let ideas develop. I don't think many new ideas came out of being in New York, which is really interesting. Oh. And I think that might just be me, honestly. Um, because I, I talked to other writers who were in Oregon and they were like, they were like, yeah, I have new ideas all the time. And I'm like, great. And I'm like, well, I'm developing one idea here. So um, like, I don't know how you do it in Oregon, but I think the way Oregon developed or Oregon gives you that breath and that nature and that life, it allows you the space to really focus on whatever you want to focus on and take the time to do it. Yeah. So I felt like I was getting inspired to develop and to take my time and to breathe into my thing and breathe into my work as opposed to New York. I mean, there wasn't time to do anything until I came back until I came back. And when did you come back? Did your, when did your contract in Oregon end? My contract in Oregon ended on November, November, 2019. I was there from January till November. Okay. And in November, I didn't come straight back to New York because I was already on the West Coast. So I was like, I'm just going to stay. So I, I took a road trip through California. I've never done that before. I mean, I think it's fun. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things that go into road trips that like make yes. it not fun. But like, <laughs> it, it was really cool. to. Fi- that was my first road trip ever. Wow. Yeah. And I drove through California with my girlfriend. We visited so many different cities. We went to San Francisco. That was amazing. We were visiting friends there. So we had places to stay. Um, yeah. And then we went to Monterey Bay. Oh my I'd never been to before. Yeah. My uncle lives there on a military base. He just moved. But he did live there. And so we got to stay with him and his family. And oh my goodness, so beautiful. And the food, so good. I miss California so much. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And then we drove down the coast for a really long time. We went to San Jose because my grandma lives there and we said hi to her. We went to the Google area and like saw the Google store and saw all these cool, like all their cool buildings and it was, it was so cool just to be in different cities in California and really see like what it had to offer. Yeah. Um, and then we stayed, we were in California the entire month. And then when did you go back to New York? I went back to New York at the beginning of December. Okay. And yeah. how did it feel different for you? Cause you were gone for almost a year. Mm-hmm. It was really weird because I don't know something about being in in Oregon for almost a year, being in California for almost a year, knowing it's not your home. And then, I mean, it's like where I grew up, right? But, and then going, coming back to my apartment in New York, it's almost like I took a piece of that space and that fresh air with me. I love that. Yeah. And so when I got to New York, Ooh, New York. I just had a new idea of what New York looked like. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much beauty here. Like, it was so different. It was so different. I was like, the beauty and there's like, there's peace here that I've never noticed before. And there's little pockets of the city where you can 
kind of get that nature that I don't think I've ever seen until I came back. Yeah, so I actually, that's where all the new ideas started coming from. I think a lot of people talk about the, in like movies and stuff, especially when like writers talk about like, oh, you go to New York and there's so many different characters and so many different people in the community. You can just, you just get so many ideas and you start writing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like I didn't feel that way when I first got here. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But coming back from Oregon, I saw it. Coming back from California, I was like, oh, there they are. Like, there are all the stories, you know? Like, I'm walking down the street and I'm like, oh, man, like, I bet, like, your life is really interesting. Or I bet you have a really cool story. And, like, seeing all these strangers and hearing stories from my coworkers in theater, because I'm, I was a bartender before, like, the shutdown, and hearing my coworker stories and I had all new coworkers except for my boss but I had all new coworkers so I had to learn everybody all over again wow but I loved it I loved hearing the stories and finding out who they are and the kind of people they are and I started just getting new ideas about things and getting new looks and new takes on some of the things I'd already written and some of the ideas mm-hmm. I already had yeah and I remember having a meeting with a writer who I met in Oregon who <laughs> I met him in Oregon, but he write like he's from New York. He just came to Oregon to workshop something. And I was like, oh my God, you're like one of my favorite writers. His name is Derek Greger. He's part of Carner and Greger. And so he is from New York. And I met him when I came back to New York for like a drink with one of his um, other writing partners. And all three of us were like grabbing drinks and talking. And he said, one of my favorite things to do in New York is to just go to a random bar and just sit there with a notepad and just write ideas about the different people I see oh I love that oh yeah and I was like no way and he was like yeah when you come to New York that's the best thing to do is just to sit somewhere and just to start writing ideas about all the different stories you see right in front of you Mm. and I was like see that's what I need to do I want to go to like a park or something and just like people watch I want to go to like the bay or to a bar to a restaurant and just sit and like write down like little anecdotes about all these random strangers who probably have so many cool stories yeah that's what makes me miss New York so much just like how it's so teeming with life and like there's so many different people and kinds of people and yeah I always feel so inspired in New York I miss it yeah yeah same I love that you mentioned church because something Mm -hmm. I'm interested about talking in this podcast is something that I'm just really interested in is the intersection between creativity and spirituality. And so I'd love to hear from you, A, is, is there a connection there for you? And like, what is your relationship to spirituality and how does that then inform or relate to your creativity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll say my spirituality has definitely fueled my creativity because I feel like when I think about the role of the role, the presence of spirituality in the artistic industry, in the artistic community, I feel like it's really hard to talk about sometimes. Mm. I feel like it's really hard for all people who believe in anything really to like come forward with specifically what they believe in and have conversations about that because in the artistic community, I feel like it's the least accepted thing to have a conversation about. There's a really, really negative history about so many different religions and so many different beliefs that it's one of those things that's taboo, really, in the art community. Be like, oh, don't talk to me about your beliefs. I don't want you to try and convert me or your belief or whatever you, you know, whatever religion you may follow has such a negative history. I don't think it's good to have this conversation in this space. And so I feel like that I've found that I really want to make spirituality not such a hot topic, not such a taboo thing anymore. I want, I want to make it just as easy to talk about as race or sexuality, really. Like, I feel like that's probably one of the easiest things to talk about in the art, artistic community is sexuality. Be like, oh, what do you, what, what sexuality are you? Pansexual? Great. What about you? Like homosexual? Great. Like, you know, it's kind of just like easy, yeah. right? Yeah. But then when it comes to spirituality, it's like, do you believe in God? It's like, oh, 
nah, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? You don't know how to say that or you don't know how to respond. It's like, oh, do you, do you pray to anybody? You'd be like, I don't know. I like horoscopes. <laughs> it's like, no, it's, it's, you don't have to just give me an answer. Like, do you believe in horoscopes? Like, it's like, I don't know. Like, you don't really know how to have that conversation. But I believe, you know, I recognize that the God I believe in, that the religion that my God is tied to, right? Christianity has such a bad rap because a lot of stupid people claim to be Christian. A lot of really mean people were like, I'm doing this in the name of God, slavery. Like, and you're like, dang it. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, you yeah. can't do that, man. And it's like, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill all these people because God. And it's like, no, that's, that's you. That's not, that's not God. That's you. But it makes it really hard. It makes it really hard to have those conversations. And like, you know, and there's so many religions out there and there's so many beliefs. And I feel like it should be a lot easier to, when people say you should believe in what you want to believe in, I feel like it should be easier to accept that in the artistic community because we call ourselves one of the most open communities. And so when I write, I want to make that normal. I know in my musical living that I mentioned, one of my characters, it's a musical about three people, three kids actually, young adults, who struggle with depression for different reasons. One of them, he's struggling with chronic depression. He's a black kid struggling with chronic depression. One of them, she is Latina American. And she is struggling with sexuality and coming out to a traditional mother. And the depression she receives from denial. But the third kid, he's Asian American. And he was raised in a religious family who believes in God. And then his mom passes away. And so he deals with grief. And this, uh, and this big question of why would God let someone I love die? That is such a normal conversation that I feel like is so hard to have in, a, in an artistic community because we don't want to talk about spirituality. Yeah. So if, so it's, it's hard for someone who's dealing with grief and dealing with this existential crisis because of what they believe. It's hard for someone like that to come forward and be like, that's the reason I'm sad. That's the reason I'm confused and I'm angry and I'm hurt because I believe in this type of God and this God didn't protect my, you know, and it's like you, you, they can't have that conversation. Right. So when I put that into my musical, I'm like, I want to show people it's normal to talk about your spirituality because sometimes your spirituality is just as important as a conversation as your mental health. It's yeah. just as important as a conversation as your sexuality and da 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 and all these other things because it is a part of your life, right. you know? And yeah. so it really does guide my writing most of the time, really. Yeah. Because I've never really been allowed to talk about my spirituality in an artistic circle. Wow. Really. Yeah, that's so ever. interesting. Cause right we think of our we think of the artistic community as one of the most open progressive communities but there are still things that you know aren't okay to talk about so that's really interesting that you brought that up mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 really important to me that i feel like and not just to be like hey christianity should be talked about more like that's not even what i'm trying to do i'm trying to be like just spirituality in general like yeah. should be a conversation it should be freely shared Right. And being allowed to talk about your beliefs and not feeling like you have to change other people's beliefs, but just being okay with people having different beliefs and being able to like share ideas. Yeah. Almost about wrapping up, but I'd love to hear about a piece of content, whether that's a book or a song or something that just has really impacted you and your artistry and your life. That's a good question. <laughs> I feel like that's a big one, but, or if it's just something you've read recently or something that's inspired yeah. you recently. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, oh no, there's too many things. See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have so many ideas and then I'm like, which one do I talk about? I'll talk about this. There's a song called King of the World written by Jason Robert Brown. And it's in Songs for a New World. And a lot of people know it. I know the song. Love it. But I never knew what it was about. <laughs> because it's in a song cycle. 
And Jason Robert Brown's Songs for a New World has no storyline. <laughs> <laughs> so his songs have no like linear purpose. They're yeah. just kind of there. And I always wondered this song, King of the World, what does it mean? Why does it exist? Because it is one of the most confusing songs I've ever heard in my life. And so I listened to it recently and I've been listening to it for a long time and I never knew what the song was about, but I'm like, okay, I like the song and I like the way the guy sings in it. And the song is usually sung by a black man. And I was like, that's confusing. Okay, it could be sung by anybody. It's just a random song. <laughs> um, but today I was lit, or not today, I'm sorry. A couple of days ago, I was listening to the song. And for some reason, my brain went, oh, that's what it's about. <laughs> and I was listening to this song. And one of the lyrics is, you know, once upon a time I had tides to control i had stars to ignite like it was it the way he jason robert brown jrb i guess i'll just say the way jrb structures the verses is as if this black man who's singing the song like has like supernatural like god-like powers and i was always like that's really weird right Cause then when he gets to the chorus of the song, he says, like, let me out of here. Um, bring me back to the sun. Let me out of here. Like he's in captivity, like in a jail cell. And he's like, I'm king of the world, chief of the sea. Like he starts, it, and so it was always really confusing to me. Cause I'm like, so this song is about a God who was put in jail and now he wants to get out of jail. I'm like, that's a stupid song. <laughs> but like it's sung great, doesn't make any sense. But recently listening to the song, I went, oh my goodness. I feel like this song is about the black experience. It like popped into my head because the way that this man sings this song, you know, the lyrics are talking about him being in prison and him being stuck in prison. And he said like, you know, He's saying, like, he used to be a king. Like, he used to have the control of, like, he used to have, be able to do all these amazing things. And he's like, but you put me in jail. You put me in prison. And I was just trying to help the people. I was just trying to be better. I was just trying to explore. I was trying to, like, like be an example for people. But then you locked me up. And now I can't do that. And I don't know why you did it. But, like, I used to be this great person, like, and it made me go, oh my goodness, it's a story of Black people and mass incarceration. It's wow. like, as a community, you know, yeah, sure, there's this metaphor of, you know, having powers or whatever and having abilities. But, you know, before Black people were enslaved, we used to just live life and we used to be examples and we used to, you know, have our own beliefs and have our own culture and do these amazing things for each other. And then you took us and you imprisoned us, and you enslaved us, and why? Like, now we're trying to work with your system. And it says in the song, like, I just wanted to be better. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you think about all these Black men who sometimes get falsely accused of things or imprisoned for no reason, and they're, they're just trying to be better than what society tells them they are, and then they get locked up anyway. And they get hurt and beaten anyway. It's like, oh my goodness. That's what this song is about. It's this man saying, especially at the end of the song, when he says, he says, I'm king of the world. I'm, and then he pauses and he says, I'm, and he pauses one more time. And he, then he says, at least I used to be. Uh, yeah. And that's the end of the song. And you're like, oh. wow. it just, rem it, it gave me this, it painted this whole picture in my mind and made me go, that's what this song is about. It's about a man who was, who used to be something great it's about an entire culture of people who had so much potential and then they got put in this box in this prison whether that be literal or life itself society itself and now they're just trying to make the best of what's happening and they're wondering why they're still being put into these prisons and they're wondering why they're still being hurt and chained up you know and pushed aside they're just trying to be better so that's something that's inspired me recently. The song King of the World by Jason Robert Brown. And how beautiful that, like, you've probably heard this song for years, but 
only recently did it take on this bigger meaning to you and it, it kind of clicked for you in that moment and yeah. totally relates to everything that you know black people have been dealing with for hundreds of years but especially how now important that song is now in this moment mm -hmm. and thinking about it in the context of this moment so that is wow i'm gonna go listen to that song like right after this yeah yeah it's such a great song yeah and hopefully i mean i was talking to my my girlfriend about this i'm like I really want to write a musical like based on that story and she's like okay you should do it but don't you have to talk to jason robert brown i was like i know i don't know what to do reach out to him oh my gosh that's all yeah. you have to do. reach out to him i, I, I really want to he would respond yeah so i want to be like hey man this needs to be a story like today like i'll write it you don't have to do anything like you don't have to do any work but just give me permission like that's all i need is permission okay. just ask i feel like yeah. that could happen Thank you so much for this conversation. You're just a beautiful soul. I'm so lucky that I know you and I'm so excited for your art and I'm so excited for what you will do with your art and the change that you will make and help heal and, and change in this world. So where can people find you? TaylorFagans.com. My Facebook is on there. My Instagram is on there. My YouTube is connected. You'll, my links to all my music and everything I've basically ever written is on there. So. Wow. Well, thank yeah. you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. I loved being a part of this and I really appreciate you. You are just as much a beautiful soul as you made me feel. Oh, I love you so much. I love you too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Soul Podcast and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore modern mermaid with your thoughts. And if you would be so kind to rate and review the podcast, I would love to gift you my guided writing meditation that will help you connect deeper to yourself, your creativity, and your spirituality. Just take a screenshot of the review and send it my way at the underscore modern mermaid, and I will send over the meditation. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.